Well, friends, we come now to our time of reading God's word, our scripture passage for our sermon coming from Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. I'd encourage you to open that up with me and read along as I read that out loud for us. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Hear God's word. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Ben and uh, uh, Pastor Eric and Ruth for leading us in uh, this uh, time together as we gather in Wheaton. And really, all around the world, as people are watching, um, you're not alone. Just in that room, on your, you feel like you're on your own, but actually there are people all over the place. And we're getting stories about that all the time. People emailing in, thanking uh, for the, uh, the work of God this time. And so, great um, respect to those, uh, the tech people and all others who are putting this together for all of us. Now, go ahead and keep your Bibles open to Acts chapter 5. And uh, I want to speak to us this morning about healing uh, in a uh, time of sickness, healing in a time of sickness. Obviously, we're living in a time of of sickness, uh, physically with uh, the virus about which all over the globe we're all very familiar these days. Uh, And so there's that kind of sickness with which uh, Many individuals are themselves struggling. Over 200,000, I think, was the latest um, uh, data. And uh, many uh, loved ones are suffering. But not only uh, physical sickness, uh, also mental um, and emotional um, challenges. Isolation, um, being at home, unable to do uh, what we would normally be able to do. Uh, For some of you, economic challenges. Uh, You're wondering what's going to happen with your employment in the future. And so we live in a time of sickness. And so I want to speak to us about healing in a time of sickness. And to do that, I want to introduce to us a picture of what the church is meant to be, of what we who are following Jesus are intended to be, um, which is beyond... You know, sometimes when we think about the church, we think of the church merely as uh, an educational um, place, a, a place for mutual care and encouragement, that kind of thing. But actually, the church is also a hospital for the sick. There's that picture I want you to have in your mind this morning, a hospital for the sick. Think of a hospital, of all the, the equipment and all the ER room and the operation 
the, the OR room and, uh, and the, the doctors and the nurses and all the equipment and the, the sick who need help. And here we have in this passage a picture of the church as a hospital for the sick. And so when, when, we're, when, when we're listening to God's word this morning now, when we're, when we're studying God's word together, the aim, my goal is not simply that I would educate you, but that through the power of God's word, there would be a therapeutic a healing that takes, that takes place. Now, obviously, the passage we've just read out is a, a passage that emphasizes the miraculous. And uh, this is the third of Luke's descriptions in uh, his book of Acts about uh, the early church, these paradigmatic, uh, these little vignettes of what the early church is meant to be like. And uh, this third one focuses particularly on this healing aspect. And here in this passage, there's a miraculous element. There's no doubt. It's clearly emphasized. And for many of us, that's a struggle. It's like, how could that be? I'm not sure I can even believe that. So as we get into it, I want to quote to you from the great theologian Augustine. Augustine was writing many hundreds of years after the apostles had uh, died. He was a, a cynic who, who struggled to come to faith. And after he'd come to faith, he didn't believe that God still did miracles in any, any way whatsoever for many years until he came across them himself. And the end of his, his famous book, The City of God, this magnum opus, his great work, at the end of that, he describes how because he came across uh, real miracles that God was doing, he began to keep a catalog of them, a record of them. He, he researched them like, like a scholar to find out whether they were factually actually taking place or not. And he said at the end of uh, The City of God, this, this book, that, this famous work that he'd written, that actually he had discovered so many that if he was to record only miracles of healing, then he would have enough material to fill several volumes. And that's Augustine, a theologian, intellectual, scholar, hundreds of years after the time of the apostles, persuaded that God still does uh, the miraculous even in his time. So let's look at the, the hospital for the sick. And we're going to first look at the hospital itself. And this is verses uh, 12 and 13. And there Luke says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Now these first two verses, I, I, this is the image I'm using. Remember, hospital for the sick, and the first part is hospital, and then we'll look at the sick, how it has an impact today, how we can experience healing, uh, therapy, uh, a real um, uh, change and impact from God by his spirit through his word, even this morning, when we get to the sick. And, the, and, and there are different kinds of sick that are administered to by God in this passage. But the hospital has its own characteristics and there are three of them and the first is miraculous healing power and there's no doubt this is described here beginning of verse 12 now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles now the challenge here of course for us is that phrase signs and wonders is a phrase that in our mind is often associated with the strange, the fantastical, the unhinged, the crazy. 
But in, in the Bible, the phrase signs and wonders has a particular resonance to it that we need to grasp in order to understand how we can be a hospital for the sick and how we ourselves can be, can be healed. And that resonance really goes back to the book of Exodus. So if you have a Bible and you can turn with me to uh, the book of Exodus chapter 7 and uh, verse uh, 3. And there it's talking about how God through Moses uh, rescued God's people from Egypt by the power of God. And it describes here, this is the first time this phrase signs and wonders is used in the Bible. Chapter 7 verse 3. Uh, God is speaking. He says, I will multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. It's through these amazing signs and wonders that God rescued his people from Egypt. That's, that's the shape in the mind, the, the rescue of God's people from Exodus. When we think of signs and wonders, we should think of the rescue of God's people from Egypt. Now, of course, Pharaoh didn't listen. And so just because there is... The miraculous doesn't mean that suddenly many people will be saved. For the, for the salvation is an even greater miracle than the physical miracles. It's the, it's the new creation um, that takes place when we're regenerate, born again, the spirit that comes within us. And the signs and wonders are really to encourage those who do believe and have the work of the spirit within them that, yeah, God truly is at work to rescue his people. The original shape in people's mind about these signs and wonders, remember we're just looking at the hospital and then we'll look at the sick and this hospital has three characteristics and the first characteristic is this miraculous signs and wonders, miraculous healing power. The signs and wonders goes back to the book of Exodus. But then Joel, the prophet Joel in the Old Testament, chapter 2, verses 28 to 32, prophesies that there'll come another time when God again does signs and wonders and this will be the new covenant the new testament when God will rescue not people from slavery in Egypt but rescue people from their sins their rebellion their their habits that they cannot break the bondage the the obsessions and neuroses and psychoses and the moral depravity and the sadnesses, that God will rescue us from that and he'll show that he's doing it through miraculous signs and wonders, the book of Joel says. And indeed, when Jesus came, what do we know about Jesus? We know he was a teacher. We know he died and rose again. We know he healed people with great works of power. And of course, the Pharisees didn't believe it, but the signs were there for those who did have faith. And then in the book of Acts, Peter, beginning of this book, when he preaches in Acts chapter 2, and God's spirit comes, in that amazing day of Pentecost, he says, uh, quoting from uh, the book of Joel, this that you're experiencing when the spirit has come is what Joel had promised. This is that. In these last days, you know, sometimes people say, when are the last days? You know, is all this going on a sign that now we're in the last days? Biblically, the last days, according to the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2, biblically, the last days are the time after Jesus' death and resurrection when the Spirit come, came at the day of Pentecost. We're now in the last days, ever since that moment. And signs and wonders, Peter preaches, are going to be done to prove that. And indeed, as uh, Luke then describes in his uh, book of Acts, uh, this early church, 
The first, these three descriptions, these three vignettes, these three paradigmatic little narratives of what the early church is like. The first one talks about signs and wonders being done by the apostles. And then it describes lots of other things. And the second one we looked at last week where it talks about this encouragement just in passing describes the power that was being done, the spiritual power that was done by the hands of the apostles. And now this final one, the third one we're looking at this morning, the miraculous healing power is emphasized again and again because it's a sign and a wonder that God is rescuing us from our sins. Now we're going to look at how that works today in a moment, but I just want you to have in your mind right away, when we talk about the hospital for the sick, the church, Christians, there is a spiritual power that is beyond merely the material and bigger than merely the physical, but is a power that is at work even today, the spiritual power of God. And we who are Christians, and we think, well, what, what can we do today? We're living in this time of sickness. What do we have to offer today? We have to offer the hospital, the healing power of God, that as we pray and as we minister the gospel, that in, as we repent of our sins, then indeed God would heal our land. So here we are, hospital for the sick. We're looking at the hospital, and there are three characteristics of the hospital. The first is, is this miraculous healing power, and the two others, which are uh, not strictly speaking miraculous, but are exceptional and extraordinary. Two other characteristics of this hospital. And uh, they are unity and respect. You find the unity at the end of verse 12. So it says, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. Now when it says they were all together, it's, it's meaning there more, more literally that they were of one mind, of the same mind. They were thinking the same. They were united in Solomon's portico. And Solomon's portico was this huge area on the edge of the Temple Mount at the time where many thousands could meet and all the thousands who had been converted uh, at uh, the day of Pentecost and all the thousands who had been added since all met together, these at least 5,000, perhaps more by now, almost certainly more by now, met together in one place at one time and they were united as they met together around God's word, around the apostles' teaching. So there was unity, but there was also respect. So this is the third characteristic of the hospital. Remember, hospital for the sick. We'll look at how this is going to work when we look at the sick in the moment. But now we're just looking at the characteristics of this spiritual hospital that we as Christians and we as the church are intended to be. Not just an educational establishment, but if you like a therapeutic establishment, a healing place where we can grow in our integrity and who we're meant to be before God. And the third characteristic is respect. So verse 13, it says, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Now this is one of these verses that for years I, I interpreted one way and I've changed my mind in how I interpret it. I used to think that this verse meant that those outside the church didn't dare join those within the church until they had really become Christians. But I've changed my mind on that. And the reason why I've, Matthew Henry, one of the great uh, commentators in the 18th century, persuaded me uh, to think differently about this verse. And so now I'm convinced that actually this verse is talking about the attitude of the people to the apostles. So when it says, none of the rest dare join them, the them is talking about the apostles. 
So none of the rest dared become an apostle, if you like. But the people held them, that is the apostles, in high esteem. Uh, Matthew Henry uh, says, uh, he puts it like this. He says, they acknowledged, they recognized the superiority of the apostles and yielded to them in everything. That's, and I think he's right there. So there's a respect. There's, there's a respect for the leadership of the apostles. Now there's the hospital, the spiritual hospital. And what are its characteristics? There's a spiritual power. What kind of spiritual power? It's a spiritual power around the rescue of God. How does God rescue people? Through the gospel. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, who came, who lived, and died, and rose again. So if we're to be a hospital for the sick, if we ourselves are to be a place of healing for our land, we must have front and foremost the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the signs and wonders are a rescue sign, a sign of God rescuing us through the gospel. And then what, what else characterizes this hospital? Unity. Not bickering and complaining and having thousands of different opinions about things. And of course, that's it's an exceptional, exceptional element, isn't it? Uh, as soon as you have two people together, you have at least two opinions, if not three or four. Because that's assuming that each person knows what they really think, which is unusual. But here is the work of the Spirit. And those many thousands of people are united but not only the united, they have a sense of respect for their apostles. And they're together. That's what the spiritual hospital is like. Now you say, but how does that give healing? Well, then let's look at the sick. And the three characteristics of this hospital, uh, there are three kinds of sicknesses that are healed. And in many ways, the first kind, though it seems less remarkable, is actually the most remarkable of all. So if you look down with me again at verse 14, so you've had first the hospital, verses 12 and 13, now the sick, verses 14 to 16. If you look at verse 14, here's the first of these three kinds of sicknesses that are healed. As we look, How is this going to work practically today in our day when we need healing in a time of sickness? How is it going to work? And we have this first kind of sicknesses that find healing. And the first kind is um, the sickness of losing your faith. So verse 14, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. So those who didn't believe now became believers. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. I wonder whether you're losing your faith. It's a great sickness to lose your faith. Lose, uh, losing your faith that uh, God has a plan for you. Uh, losing your faith that uh, you can get through this time of sickness, this time of isolation. Uh, losing your faith that uh, you're married to the right person. Losing your faith that you can be the kind of father that you need to be for your children. The grandfather, the grandmother that you need to be for your grandchildren and your grown-up children. Lo losing your faith that you can provide for your family. Losing your faith that God knows what he's doing. And here comes the healing that is offered in, in, the, in the hospital for the sick. Part of the purpose of we who follow Jesus is to help people 
find faith in Jesus. And if you're struggling with that faith, uh, we have a healing power for you to find that faith again. Perhaps you are someone who's wrestling with your faith in Jesus, wrestling with your faith that God is someone you can really trust and you're doubting your faith. Here's one piece of encouragement I want to give to you. Doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts. You know, why, why should it be true that you can't trust God? Why should it be true that you're not married to the right, but why should it be true that you can? Is not God good? Is he not really in charge of all things? Does not God know the end from the beginning? Is he not your loving heavenly father? Is Psalm, uh, the Psalm we read out in the first part of the service, is that not all true? Doubt your doubts. Here's a challenge for you if you're not yet a Christian listening in Africa or South America or or Wheaton or wherever it is. Doubt your doubts. Why not take, say, the Gospel of Mark and read it with an open heart and open mind and ask Jesus to show himself to you to bring healing that your doubts might become faith. So the first kind of healing is um, the healing of losing your faith. Many believers were added to the Lord. But the second kind of healing is, to us, more remarkable, though, though the, the truly remarkable element is that f- the first one, because when we become a Christian, we become a new creation, which is the greatest miracle of all. But uh, to most of us, uh, more astonishing is uh, verse uh, 15. So it says here, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and lay them on cots and mats. Those two words are different words for like the bed for a poor person or the bed for a sick person. That as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And then it says at the end of verse 16, and they were all healed. Now I believe that God still heals people today. I also believe that there are many charlatans, many fakers, many quacks who just abuse this kind of text and trying to manipulate people. So I want to give you a word of caution about this kind of healing and then a word of commission. The word of caution is I want you to notice that it says they were all healed It doesn't say they're all cured. And there's a difference between healing and cure. If you think about it with me for a moment, there's an important sense, and really the most most profound sense, that this side of glory, none of us is ever truly cured. We may be healed physically, we may be healed mentally, physically, emotionally, but it's always temporary in this world. For there'll come a time when we will die. We, we don't ever experience total healing. We don't ever experience real cure. And sometimes the healing that God offers is uh, the peace that passes all understanding, a miraculous peace, uh, to enable us to go through a difficult time of physical sickness. 
sometimes uh, the healing that God offers us is the joy unspeakable that allows us to rejoice in Jesus even in a time of sickness. These are real healings. Sometimes the healing that God offers us is the ability to trust God even as we still wrestle with anxiety or even depression. We still believe in God. That's, 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 a mirac- that's an amazing thing. Now, sometimes God does offer physical healing. And along with Augustine, what I quoted at the beginning, uh, it's e- easy for me to be as an intellectual, someone who's thought about philosophy and science over the years, it's easy for me to be a cynic about such things. And certainly there are many charlatans who abuse and manipulate this kind of text. But I've also seen real healing. And um, I'm encouraged again, but I, I think I should keep a record. Every story I hear of someone who experiences real healing in answer to prayer, there's something just this week that, that, I, that I heard across that I and some others prayed about. And a day or two later, we heard the good news. That person had experienced healing, not cure, but healing. So a word of caution a word of caution also that it's the apostles here. Now, again, I do believe that God still does miraculous healing today, but none of us are apostles in this sense. And we shouldn't expect that we have the same apostolic power that, that Peter had. And then also in terms of this word of caution about this second kind of healing, the, the physical healing, the... The kind of maturity that it takes to be used by God to pray and other people to be healed is a kind of maturity that is filled with a particular fruit of the Spirit, namely humility. The great danger of any kind of healing ministry, any kind of answer to prayer to healing, is it becomes filled with pride. And we need an apostolic humility if we're to be used by God in that way. So there's caution, humility. We're not apostles. It's not a cure, healing, emotionally, physically, yes. Sometimes mentally, yes. But then also a commission. We who are Christians, we the church, we are meant to be a hospital for the sick. Let's pray that God would bring healing. Let's ask God to do something amazing in these these days. Let's ask for those we hear about who are struggling, that they would be healed and to do so in confidence. So these uh, three kinds of sickness. First, the unbelievers who become believers. The sickness of losing your faith. Then the physical healing. Yes, not, not cure, not this side of glory, All our prayers in Christ's name and in faith for people to be healed will finally be answered in glory. But we don't get total cure ever in this world. But then there's a last kind of sickness, which is the most unusual for us to talk about today. But as I say, the first one, becoming believers, is really the most miraculous. For When someone becomes a believer, then they're a new creation. That's the biggest miracle of all. Uh, but there is this last one, and that is the, the uh, demon-possessed experiencing release. Look at what Luke says in verse 16. 
He says, uh, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, this hospital, people are coming to the hospital, uh, bringing the sick, and he says, those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they're all healed. Now, this is the most unusual part of it and the most difficult part of it for us with a 21st century Western mindset to, 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 get our, to get our thinking around. Really, a demon possession, it just sounds like a movie or something, you know, really odd. And yet here it is in the Bible. And of course, Jesus cast out demons. So did the apostles. What are we to think about that? Well, it is part of the hospital for the sick. When someone becomes a Christian, they move from darkness to light. Biblically, they move from the realm of darkness and Satan to the realm of light and Jesus. And that, that's, that's what happens when someone becomes a Christian. Now, in uh, countries that have, and areas of the world that have had experienced massive influence of Christianity, the, the demonic is less uh, overt, less obvious. But if you go to parts of the world where there's much less Christian influence, uh, and I've worked in some of those parts of the world in the past, and I can testify to it, the, the demonic is more obvious, uh, more extreme. Of course, it's here in places like Wheaton and Chicago too. It just tends to be more subtle. I remember one uh, place on the mission field I went to once where I walked into um, what had become a museum, but in the past had been a training center for religious teachers for a different religion. And I walked into this museum and I got uh, closer to the place where the, uh, the the main teacher there had taught all the disciples. He had a special chair and it was sort of carved out of stone and that kind of thing. And I got closer to that place where this, this center of another religion had been. And I was overwhelmed with the sense of the demonic. I'm not sure I'd ever been so scared in my life. And I got out of there. Yeah, the, the devil was real. The Bible says... He uh, prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour. He's real, but he's defeated. And in Jesus' name, the demons flee. And if you're a Christian, you need have no fear. Jesus says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the evil one. And we are told simply to resist the devil and he will flee. So we, it, it, we don't want to get into the crazy here. As C.S. Lewis, I think, put it well. He said, the devil is equally happy with two extremes. One is that we pretend he doesn't exist, and the other is we become obsessed by him. No. The devil is real, but he is defeated. And at the name of Jesus, demons flee. And here is this, this ministry of release uh, to the oppressed. I want you to notice, though, a couple of things here. I want you to notice the Bible distinguishes between affliction with unclean spirits and physical and even mental um, illness and lack of health. It's distinguished here between physical uh, lack of health but the Bible also distinguishes it between mental lack of health. You think in the Old Testament of, of Saul who was afflicted with an unclean spirit. And yet you have David 
David, who was not, and yet experiences many, many times of sadness and depression. They're not the same in the Bible. And so any kind of ministry to release someone from a, an affliction with an unclean spirit needs to carefully distinguish between the psychiatric and the medical and to be done with great caution and reliance on mature uh, men of God and should be in partnership with psychiatrists and medical professionals. Never forget the uh, story of the sons of Sceva where uh, they attempted to perform an exorcism and the demon said, Jesus, I know, and uh, 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 Paul, I've heard about, but who are you? No, we rely upon Jesus. We do it in humility. We do it in reliance upon mature men of, men of God. And we, we take into account uh, Martin Luther's sage advice. With the demon use scripture, just like Jesus did. And tongue firmly in cheek, he said, if, if scripture won't work, try humor. The devil cannot stand being laughed at for he is a proud devil. Now we resist the devil and he flees for us, from us. At the name of Jesus, demons flee. Here's this hospital for the sick. The hospital is characterized by miraculous power, the signs and wonders that are centered upon the gospel of Jesus that witness to that proclamation of the gospel in unity and in respect. And the sick, those move from unbelief to belief, Uh, move from physical healing to healing, and not cure, mental healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, also with uh, the unclean, those afflicted with unclean spirits finding release. And that can be you. Perhaps you sense that you're in bondage to habit that you cannot cannot get rid of. Uh, Perhaps you're aware of someone who is struggling with sickness right now. Perhaps uh, you are yourself feeling the weight of isolation. You want to sense the peace that passes understanding, the joy unspeakable. Let me tell you a story about a general. Uh, This general had a a, a physical sickness that ostracized him, left him alienated and alone. He'd given up uh, thinking he could ever find a cure. And then one, one person on his staff told him to go and visit a particular prophet named Elisha. He journeyed to see Elisha. And the prophet Elisha just sent a servant to tell him to go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And the general, an important man, thought this is ridiculous. I could wash at home. Why am I coming here to wash? And then in humility, he did wash. And he was healed. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Come ye broken and bruised and bleeding and find healing in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord God, we do pray that would be the case. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would Help um, us as a church to be a place where we're centered upon the gospel and that uh, rescue power of God is uh, very much at work, that we're united, we respect our leaders. And Lord, I pray also, uh, Father God, uh, that this morning you would 
uh, heal those who are sick, uh, losing their faith, lack of trust in you, unsure what you want. Will you now, by your spirit, open uh, those people's eyes to your reality that they might trust you again and become believers and be added to you, both men and women, multitudes of them. Would you do that, Lord? And similarly, Lord, I pray for those who are physically sick um, at Windsor, uh, in hospitals around the country, around the world. I pray, Lord, for those who are mentally or emotionally sick. Lord, we know that we live in a fallen world on this side of, uh, of, of the grave. We won't ever experience total cure, but I pray that you do lift those who are struggling on their sickbed. I pray, Lord, you give peace that passes understanding and joy unspeakable. And yes, Father, I'm even uh, bold to pray. Your word says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Uh, We don't want to be so sophisticated that we forget the reality of the spiritual war. We put on the armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the feet fitted with the redness that comes from the gospel of peace and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we stand firm. And we resist the lives of the evil one. And we trust in you. Oh, Lord God, do a great new work, we pray, in this country and around the world. Would you turn people back to you to realize that in all our sophistication and material success and wealth, at the end of the day, we need you. Help us to put you first again and renew us and revive us. And yes, heal our land. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.